Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yes, it is. And as you can see, maybe our most beautiful studio we've ever set foot in. I was going to say M stands for marine layer. Oh. Because that's kind of the vibe we've got in here. (laughs) Gorgeous living room. The bedding world. Uh, Great to be joining you guys here from Mobile, Alabama. You know, this isn't our first uh, time ever in Mobile, but this is our first ever live show from Mobile. So as Dre and I like to say on bets, show history. That's right. Show history. Congratulations to you. It's been uh, quite the ride here. Yeah. Uh, you know, some travel complications on the way in. I think you guys talked a little bit about that on the podcast last night. Uh, uh, the earlier this morning, I think, is what it actually was. That yeah. is technically <laughs> true. When we, yeah, we got in, you know, just a few hours ago, it feels like. Uh, but we did get our first look at the Senior Bowl quarterbacks today. And I honestly think... That's probably where we have to jump right in after I tell everyone that we are presented by MSU Denver. MSU Denver, you slash online, where you can go to scope out all they have to offer. They've got a lot to offer, 750 total classes, 45-plus online and hybrid programs. No better place to go than MSU Denver if you're looking to work a full-time job um, while furthering your education because you can further that education just like so many others at MSU Denver, because MSU Denver students work twice as many hours as students attending any other Colorado institution. So let's jump in here, guys. Also, just want to tell everyone, we so we have so many people here because we have the uh, PHNX crew also with us here in, Mo- uh, in Mobile. We had to get a Suburban. Mm. <laughs> Man, I don't know how you guys do it out there driving those Suburbans on the road. I literally feel like I'm driving a semi-truck. Yeah, Ryan's already punctured uh, our tire once. That is not true. And then as we had to get it filled up with air because he blew such a massive hole in the tire, we're leaving getting the tire fixed. And what does he do on our turn out? He hits the same tire on the curb. On the curb. First of all, the tire was not popped. The tire was always low on pressure uh, since we acquired the the vehicle. Um, And then we (laughs) – There's no no pop tire. Good controversy in the house. All right. uh, Let's jump in here and start – we'll go in chronological order um, because, well – 
Do you want to go in uh, power ranking backwards to forwards uh, order? Definitely, definitely. Right, there right, is right. some controversy oh, okay. at the end of the list, too. There is some, so just so you know, six quarterbacks out here. Obviously, the Broncos have the ninth overall pick. Um, and when you talk to people out here, they definitely think the Broncos are as in the mix for these quarterbacks as anyone. I think there's a lot of sentiment that the Broncos will be chasing a veteran quarterback, but there's no guarantees uh, that that's going to happen for them. So we have to keep a close eye on these guys. Six guys out here. And I think we can all, at least all three of us can agree on who was the sixth best. Yeah, I, I, I thought there were only five quarterbacks out here. So oh, I think we I think tough. we do all agree. I don't want to be too hard on Bailey Zappi uh, because he is, you know, he's the least. He's coming from the smallest school out of anyone here. Well, I guess Liberty is probably a uh, Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Liberty's probably right on par there. But, you know, um, I'm all he, about the small guy. So <coughs> I, I love Bailey. He has the least physical tools, but he also put up the biggest numbers of any of these guys. So I have to give him credit there. I will say today he had a tough time. He had a tough time against NFL competition, I would say. He's just going to have a big, a uh, very difficult time standing out in, in these practices through the draft process because he's not going to wow you in anything he does. He's going to completely rely on his college film, which I think is important for teams not to get too caught up and too removed from that college film. But I'm not here to make a case for Bailey's app. Yep. Okay, so. Now, I will oh, say oh. a little. Right, like Bailey Zappy Truther over Mace, here. who's not here. Mace did say he was fifth, and we will talk about those power rankings as well. Did have him fifth. I think we were really turned off by a few ugly bouncers over the middle, which was just like, "What's up with that?" But some nice deep balls as well. On that, he was part of that second practice where the deep ball was a little more. Uh, more part of the program, and uh, you know he had some nice throws. Billy's uh, at. He, here's here's how I'm viewing this: Will the Broncos draft one of these guys in the first round, either at nine, a trade up if they fall in love with mm-hmm. them, or a trade back? And to me. Bailey Zapp just is, is Zappy is just not on the radar. That that's why he's six to me. Yeah, I mean maybe he he could be on the radar for like a seventh round pick. Exactly, Broncos best drafted quarterback in uh, the last couple of years, Mr. Trevor Simeon. Exactly. All right, let's move down to number five. Uh, Dre, I'll let you lead us off here. This is hard. And and, and to be fair, there are five legit quarterbacks here. Yes. That's not normal for the season. Not at all. Um, I now, I think it, it also speaks to the fact that this is a yep. a, a middle-heavy class. It's not top-heavy or bottom-heavy. It's yeah. middle-heavy. It's, mm-hmm. it's a lot of guys who, in a normal year, probably go somewhere between 20 and 40. Yep, exactly. Um, the worst And that is the danger zone yes. uh, <laughs> for drafting a quarterback. So there's all five of these guys really could fit themselves yep. in there somewhere. That's right. And I think we all agree on the day, Desmond Ritter, kind of a notch below. Yet when you look at him in a jersey, mm. looks the part more than anyone. Really frustrating how he just wasn't getting it out. Man, I got to say with Desmond Ritter, he's never really done it for me. Especially when Cincinnati was hot at the beginning of this year. A lot of people were talking about it. And every time I watched it, just it didn't impress me. Now, Alabama's going to eat a lot of quarterbacks alive, but man, did he just not look impressive at all when Alabama played Cincinnati uh, in that semifinal championship game. And today, Desmond Ritter 
didn't do anything for me. He, he does not move the needle. He's a guy that I'd be very disappointed if the Broncos used that number nine overall pick. So, yeah, I agree. He's number five, and Mace had him six today, actually. So those were his bottom two. These are my <coughs> bottom two. Those are Dre's bottom two. Ryan, so your bottom two? Yeah, I'm there with Ritter. Um, you know, Dre, I thought, brought up a great point, which is he like if you just watch these guys walk out there, you'd be like, oh, he's tall. He looks athletic. He has a big arm when he's warming up. And then it just looks like he's a little trigger shy, especially today. And all these guys, I thought, looked like they were afraid in the first practice, looked like they were afraid to make a mistake. I don't know if they were saying a, you know, a ball, you know, ball security is job security in the, in the, you know, leading up to the practice. But I just felt like all of those guys were a little bit scared to let it rip. Save for maybe Carson Strong, who I thought took more risks than That's anyone right. in that practice. Um, That's right. We're talking about the first the practice, first the practice. national practice, and that was Ritter, Kenny Pickett, Carson Strong. Yeah, exactly. Carson really came out strong in that one. I nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ritter, I hated that. I couldn't stand seeing him hold the ball, hold the ball, hold the ball. It reminded me of Paxton Lynch in seven-on-seven, seven, like throwing the ball away. Uh, <laughs> scrambling, or running, baby. Yeah, scrambling and running. Um, okay, let's uh, – move on down to number four here and again it just kind of gets more and more congested the more the further you move down the board it really does and mace as his number four had carson strong do you agree with that dre carson strong i think he has to be there hard because actually carson looked pretty good on the first day um but, yeah, I think he has to come in fourth. But this starts to become a hard decision because I think these top four, far from perfect on the day, all showing nice, encouraging signs. So all have my my ears perked up. I would say so, too. And Carson Strong is my fourth. Um, one thing that I like from him, no knee brace. Um, and that's the big concern is this guy's knee brace. Now, here's how I feel on the opposite side. When I watch him – like, when I watched him tear up Colorado State in the last game of the season, his arm was really popping off the screen to me. When I watched him today, I, I didn't say, like, oh, my God, look at the zip on those passes. There was a guy that I was saying that about, and it wasn't Carson Strong. Um, his arm looks good, not great. In fact, comparing to another quarterback who I saw at the Senior Bowl and was blown away by his arm strength, that was Drew Locke. I don't think Carson Strong even has that caliber of arm, at least from what I saw today. Uh, it didn't. It didn't look like it was flying out of his hand the way that it it did for Drew Locke. So that was a disappointing moment for me because I thought Carson Strong was going to be head and shoulders the best arm at the Senior Bowl, and I didn't see that today. I'm in a different spot as you guys, being being wowed and and uh, and happy about what I've seen from these quarterbacks. Uh, Carson Strong and Kenny Pickett are two guys that I really thought could blow me away, especially that initial impression for both of them uh, with, with uh, Strong's arm and Pickett's mobility, and I didn't see either of those today blow me away, and they're kind of in my second tier right here. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll give the slight edge to Kenny Pickett because I, I liked it a little more, but that's my four, Carson. Carson Strong, and my three is Kenny Pickett. And, and let me be super clear. The th- the three quarterbacks from the first practice did nothing to necessarily impress me. Mm-hmm. I did I did see some of the things that I know people will like 
from in, in, in NFL circles, which is just, you know, uh, the arm strength or the mobility from like a Kenny Pickett um, or the accuracy from Kenny Pickett. And I think the combination of those two things were like we saw him get out on a bootleg and deliver a really nice ball to the sideline. And it's like, okay, I can see why people are going to like that. Like right. I can imagine like Gary Kubiak being like, oh, yeah, that's good stuff right there, you know. And obviously we know uh, Nathaniel Hackett is coming from a similar coaching tree. So um, there were little things. And I think Andre used the term like they have my attention. That's about the best I can say about any of those guys. And I, I would probably go below that. I would say they disappointed me. Um, but I'm still paying attention. And, and and here's the thing is I'm – and maybe I'm grading on a different curve than you guys. I'm saying number nine overall pick, and getting my attention is not is not that, and they didn't come close to that. I guess I should establish this. I don't think any of these guys should go at number nine. But we know jump that to, that is going to happen. I don't think happen. he's allowed to he, say that. He, here's, here's the thing, Ryan, and I said it yesterday. Uh, <laughs> he broke the rules. Rewind. <laughs> I, I said it yesterday on, on the show is – We've seen all these mock drafts come out in, in the past week or 10 days. It's people's first edition of the mock drafts. And, Ryan, one thing we see in all of these mock drafts is a, the first quarterback in the draft falling to the Broncos at number nine. That's not going to happen. If the Broncos want the first all, the first quarterback to be taken, despite that they may not be worth the ninth overall pick, they're going to go above the ninth overall pick. These guys are going to be drafted fifth overall. The first one's going to go off the board. I wouldn't even be shocked to see the, the first quarterback be taken with the first overall pick. So that's just something that we got to keep in mind. It's not like the best quarterback here is going to be taken in the second round. You're going to have to pick these guys with a top ten pick. Fair enough. Um, I would say this um if you're getting one of these guys you're going to have to get a little bit lucky um and that's either you're getting lucky and them falling to you or in that i'm even thinking like with a trade back um or you're gonna have to get lucky by taking a big old dice roll at number nine overall and hitting on one of these guys and i think that actually will lead me to my number two pick at number three for you as well yeah, and neck and neck was strong. Uh, strong, more decisive. Maybe the arm was more impressive. Pickett, maybe the most consistent throughout the entire day. But where are the flashes? Let's get to the flashes because I think there were flashes from these next two guys. And I'm going to frame this by saying my number one is number one today. All these rankings are based on what we saw today. It's not based on preconceived notion or anything like that. My number one today is number one because I thought he was he put out the best overall performance. Mm -hmm. But my number two, to me, flashed the highest upside. And I know if, like, Henry's watching this, he's like, I don't want to hear the word upside. I don't want to hear ceiling um, because he, what? you know, uh, huh? Because he thinks it's, it's a um, – it's a cop out. It's a it's flawed a, argument yeah. to say, like, this. well, this guy has the higher ceiling. Like – Trey Lance has a higher ceiling than Mac Jones, but what did that do for him this year? You know, like, so that's, you know, that's Henry's thing. But the guy who flashed the highest upside or the highest ceiling to me today was Malik Willis. Um, and he was the, the one who put out throws that made, that made my eyes pop out of my skull a little bit where I was like, whoa, I didn't realize he had that type of juice. I didn't realize he had that type of, of fire coming out of that hose. So, uh, that was really impressive yeah. to me. And then obviously the legs, um, he had one play that I, I have as the play of the day where he gets the snap, the play breaks down a little bit. He 
bursts out around a defensive end who's crashing down, even stumbles a little bit, still gets around him, is going full speed towards the sideline, and then like drops down, sidearm throw across his body, laser right to the tight end who turns around and gains a few more yards. And I was like, oh, that's the type of stuff that you need in the NFL in 2022, in my opinion. That's the type of quarterback that I want on my team. And, Dre, you said this um, this term or this phrase earlier today about the mix of athleticism and arm strength. And yeah. you said it's almost like for a young quarterback you get two get-out-of-jail-free cards, right? right. right. If, you, if you don't make the best read but you just rip it, mm-hmm. sometimes you can complete that pass. If the play breaks down and you can use your legs and then you get you buy that much more time for your receivers to get open or you can just make the play with your feet, that's another one. Yeah. So for me, I, I saw that and I saw, okay, he's got a lot to learn. He's got a lot to refine, a lot to work on. Right. But that's, that's one path to success for young quarterbacks in the NFL is just go be an athlete and make things happen with your feet. And you and if you can survive long enough to learn how to play, mm-hmm. then you know you're making you're making you're able to make it to the next level in terms of your development in the NFL. See, I like Nathaniel Hackett's method though. It's just don't get put in jail. Just use that intelligence where you don't have to have to bail yourself out for a year or two, and you don't need that get out of jail free card. And for me, number two, Malik Willis. I thought he had the play of the day as well today, Ryan, but a very different play than him. I thought Malik Willis was going to come in and try to show his feet and just show how dynamic he was and separate himself in that way. But one thing that we saw from him today was he was very focused on being a pass-first quarterback, which I love to see. We got to see his arm strength explode. Uh, really, really impressed with that. He looks like he has a body that's going to be durable enough for the NFL game despite adding some running. And one of the things that we saw, I think the play was either designed to be a quick screen out to the left or it was designed to be a tight end screen or a quick slant or something. He drops back, and the purpose of the play is to, to make it seem like it's a run to the right. So the offensive lines move in right and the play is that the 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 hope is that the defensive end and the outside linebacker crash down to the right and there's a wide open slant or or receiver right there well the defensive end and outside linebacker are sit on it and the Malik's just right there he knows he can't throw the slant across because there's two guys that are either going to bat it or they're going to pick it off so what he does with two guys right here he just takes off peels right around him and not only gets around a defensive end, which isn't that surprising, but he gets around this outside linebacker and yeah. picks up not just gets past the, the 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 yard of or the line of scrimmage, but then he picks up a first down and that was just so impressive because that was not an intentional running play. He wanted to show off uh, his arm and I think he did a really good job of that. But then man, when he needs that time or when he needs that dynamic ability, he has it right there. Escapability was impressive. Athleticism was impressive. He looked like the biggest dude on the American American squad. Yep. Looked a little bigger than Sam Howell, which is saying something. And, yeah, he had the throw you highlighted. He had the best deep ball of the entire day, bar none. Inch-perfect ball placement, just like nose-diving right on the outside shoulder. Mm-hmm. Also, what I liked about Malik – and I, too, give the slightest edge by Malik, and I don't want to bury maybe the the co-lead, which is Sam Howell, looked really impressive as well. Yep. Both those guys looked way more decisive, like they got what we're doing yes. out here, not in Mobile, South Alabama, 
We're showcasing our talents. We're not waiting for guys to come open, Desmond Ritter. We're throwing guys open. We're letting it rip. When we're under pressure, we're showing our escapability. Lots of deep bombs in this. And, you know, he had like an ugly seven-on-seven, three-play drive. Like, it was far from perfect. He was inaccurate and missed some balls. But Malik really flashed some nice stuff. And Sam Howell flashed a lot of athleticism, a lot of arm strength, bit of a confidence and just grip it and rip it swagger as well. Those two guys, man, I came in feeling like they had the highest traits of anyone. They really confirmed that for me. Yeah, to just wrap up what my thoughts on Malik Willis real quick before we move on to Sam Howell. Um, I you mentioned that like decisiveness and just willing to willingness to just play. Yeah. And that was my favorite thing from both of those guys. But I like I felt like uh, Malik used the opportunities where he was maybe a little late on the read mm -hmm. to be like, hey, you guys want to see my arm? Right. And right. like there was one to the far sideline. Where you know if you're gonna throw this out route, you gotta get it out, mm -hmm. and he didn't, and he 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 you know he patted the ball one too many times, and then he's just like ah screw it, and just absolutely ripped one to the outer sideline. It was the uh, TCU, no sorry SMU mm -hmm. uh, receiver who made a sweet diving catch out there, and it's like yeah I don't want to see you ever throw that in the game because that has pick six written all over it right. if you throw it a little behind. But I'm I was really impressed to see him be able to get that thing all the way out there. Yeah, and the, the arm talent was very, very clear. And my number one uh, was Sam Howell today. And he was Mace's number two. Mace had Malik Willis number one. Sam Howell was my number one today. Uh, this is a guy who, what, a year ago, everyone thought was going to be the number one overall pick yeah. this coming year, this draft. Everyone thought he was uh, was everything. Well, then he loses Javante Williams. He loses a lot of pieces like on Carter. that North Carolina yeah. offense. And he struggles a little bit. I mean, it's not like he had a, a, a terrible year at all. Yeah, he lost Michael Carter as well. Uh, and Brown so, is best deep threat. Lots of guys went to the NFL from that offense. Exactly. Yeah. But this is a guy who had all the hype of being the number one overall pick. Had a down year. And now, I really think he has the opportunity to build himself back up to be the number one overall pick. And I think today, Ooh. he had a very good showing to, to, to prove that. Uh, I really liked his decisiveness. I really liked his decision making. And the deep ball, it was there. And he wasn't afraid to throw it. So I I really liked what I saw from Sam Howell today. Yeah, unfortunately, we didn't get nearly as electric of a one-on-one -on -one period in the first practice that we did in the second practice. And I always frame anything about one-on-ones by saying it is stacked against the defense. So while, you know, some of the corners had a rough go of things out there, uh, maybe more rough than even you'd like to see in a one-on-one -on -one period, um, it was great to see the quarterbacks deliver those balls, you know. And there was a little bit of wind out there, so it wasn't the easiest conditions, even though one-on-one, -on -one, again, should be pretty easy. But, like, both Willis and Howell were just dropping in dimes for, you know, 30-yard touchdowns. Um, once those guys were getting open, that was really nice. The reason why Howell, and I said this a little bit earlier, the reason why Howell gets number one, I think, from all three of us, yeah. um, and did, did we mention that Mace had actually this, these two flipped? Yeah. Um, the reason why Hal gets number one from all of us, or at least for me, is because of the body of work. It just felt like he was in control the entire day. Malik did have that little seven-on-seven -seven period where he looked a little out of sorts. It felt like Hal was just putting consistent throw, consistent throw, good decision, decisive playmaking, that sort of thing on display. And then he also had some of those high, eye-opening deep balls um, that we mentioned with Malik. And another one where he scrambled out of the pocket – Kind of looked around and 
I loved the touch, you know, floated it over a linebacker right yeah. to the wide receiver there on the sideline. Um, again, when I watch these playoff games in the NFL and I see Joe Burrow, you know, scrambling out and, and making those plays, it's just like, I think you got to have that. Um, I know it's not the only way to do it, Zach. Yeah, don't I know get, you, don't you, get tricked, Ryan. <laughs> I know you, you know you're big on the fact that you can win from the pocket and all that and all that other good stuff. Which you can. You can, I, and I won't deny that. I just think your chance of success with a young quarterback, especially, goes up exponentially when they can make those types of plays. Um, and honestly, you know, when it breaks down, what are you gonna do? Like, I look at. Justin Herbert in that game in week 17 and he's just making these wild plays um off schedule off script and it's just like oh man and then Joe Burrow's doing that and obviously Patrick Mahomes is doing that and Josh Allen is all about it's like you you might have to find one of these I think Sam Howell while not on that plane and that's you know gonna be a big part of this conversation as we lead up to the draft has those traits, and so does Malik Willis, to make those crazy off-schedule, you know, eye-opening plays. And that's why from day one, there's three tiers. The bottom tier, I'm including Ritter in that bottom tier. I don't want anything to do with him. Uh, And he could change my mind, but I don't want anything to do with him in the first round. That next tier uh, is Carson Strong and Kenny Pickett. They disappointed me today. They, I had a lot higher hopes. And then that top tier, uh, not top tier of quarterbacks in, you know, many drafts, but the top tier in this draft, it's because I like what I've seen from them so far. They seem refined. But on top of it, they also have those extra special skills, Ryan. And so I, I agree. It's really good to see those flashes. And not, not only flashes, but the consistency from those guys as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I think that puts a little bit of a bow on the first quarterback conversation, of course, we will be tracking every throw. Um, keep an eye out for the website. Mace uh, has a very detailed description with more in-depth stuff in terms of, you know, where were they completing balls and all that stuff that you guys know Mace is, is great at. Um, we'll have our power rankings up in written form if you want to look at those. Um, plenty more stuff. And then, of course, we'll be coming to you every single day after practice live from Studio M giving you guys uh, our own breakdown, so stick with us on that. Um, and also, we have a sweet new partner at DNVR that I want to tell you guys about. The friends over at Athletic Greens. Check them out at athleticgreens.com slash Broncos. They s- sent us boxes of this stuff, and let me tell you, it is great. I'm loving it. Um, not, on, not only is it a lot better tasting than I think the, the average person would expect yep. uh, from, you know, what's a, essentially a big green glass. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a nice sweetness to it. I legitimately enjoy drinking it. Um, it also really, really helps. It gives you that little burst of energy. I feel like I've gotten like a nice little glow after I, you know, finish <laughs> my uh, my glass of Athletic Greens in the morning. Wait, you and didn't have it this morning, did you? I didn't have it. Yeah, yeah I, can, I can tell, tell that he lost his glow. <laughs> if you watch bets from any other time last week, you'll see the glow. You'll it's, see it's the, the in a- video form. We have the evidence. I'm for calling us. it the AG glow. It's. It's really good. It's really legitimate. And then, of course, you know, the main point of it is it helps you with your gut health. Uh, And I think that's so important. And I'll be honest, like I have bouts with indigestion and heartburn and all that stuff. It has legitimately helped with those things. So first thing in the morning, you wake up, you get your athletic greens, um, eight ounces, mix it up, drink it down. 
and get your day started off right. Remember to check it out over at athleticgreens.com slash Broncos. And, Ryan, it's cheaper than, than your coffee addiction, not just yours, well, but anyone's yeah. coffee addiction. Thanks for reminding <laughs> me. I just hear the word coffee, and I need a sip. <laughs> and uh, you got to make sure to check out our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, where they are carrying the good vibes over for two more weeks to celebrate Super Bowl 56. They're giving you 56 to 1 odds. All you have to do is bet $5 on the Super Bowl, and if your team wins, you'll get $280 in free bets. That's 56 to 1 odds Mm -hmm. to celebrate Super Bowl 56. You can bet on Von Miller's team, and also you can bet on so many props. We know there's probably going to be some Von Miller props over at DraftKings Sportsbook, so check them out. Head to the App Store now. Download download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now, and use promo code DNVR to get this 56 to 1 odds on the Super Bowl. I think you can get about 50 to 1 odds on Von to win Super Bowl MVP. Oh, I love it, man. Maybe you stack those two things together and really bring home the cash. And, of course, you must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And, guys, let's get to our DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week right now. And I have mine. But, Dre, it looks like you're jumping in the bit. I got to let you. No, no. Oh, no. You're you're brewing on this? Well, there is a – you could go 100 to 1 sprinkle on Malik Willis and Sam Howell first overall pick. DraftKings Sportsbook offers that, among other things. Oh, okay. Mm. Just saying. I'll give you mine because. 5 to 1, 500? Anything? Look, I think you're already too late, but he's not the favorite yet, so there's still value involved here. We know what it is. Our Lord and Savior, Nikola Jokic. Set at plus 300 to win MV- NBA MVP. He's alone in second place for the first time, right behind Joel Embiid. I'm not going to get into why Joel Embiid. You know, I don't need to. What I can tell you is that Nikola Jokic is the best basketball player in the world. He's proving it time and time again every time he sets foot on the court. So, Nikola Jokic, plus 300 to win MVP. That's still really good value, even though I may or may not have it at plus 1,800. Um, you can still make three to one on your money when he wins this. I'm going to go with something Dre just mentioned, but I'm going to go a little more in depth guys. It doesn't appear right now. The quarterback is going to go number one overall, but you know what? It didn't appear like, uh, when we were here a couple of years ago, that Kyler Murray was going to go number one. Overall. I remember you getting on me when I said consensus top quarterback. <laughs> in the class. It's very true. By the way, our, our, uh, our Lord and Savior, Nikola Jokic, Six assists in the first eight minutes of play. We love it. We love Beautiful. that. We, Beautiful. So, and, guys, here's here's the odds I'm giving you. Bet on all of these quarterbacks, the same amount of units. Bet half a unit, a quarter of a unit, one unit on all of these quarterbacks. Kenny Pickett uh, to go number one overall. Kenny Pickett plus <laughs> – some real degenerate stuff. Kenny Pickett plus 3,000. Matt Corral plus 5,500. Sam Howell plus 10,000. Carson Strong plus 10,000. Malik Willis plus 10,000. If just one of those guys goes number one overall, you'll, you're gonna you'll you're, be on top. You're, you're gonna rake it in. Even if straight. the favorite, Kenny Pickett, he's thirty to one odds. So even if you bet, you know, five units or one total unit, you're still gonna come out way on top with this. I just think this is a quarterback driven league. We still have three months for teams to fall in love with these guys. I'm not sold they're gonna go with number it's one overall. To us already. But exactly. I'm not sold that, that a quarterback's gonna go number one overall, but I'm a hundred percent sold that it. a quarterback's gonna go top five. So I like the odds you get. This is great. Malik Willis, <laughs> number one overall, though. That would be, that would be something. Spicy Zach, Plus or 10, Louisiana Zach, as I call him, is who my has favorite. One? Who has one? Who Sorry? has what? Who has the number one pick? 
It is the Detroit Lions, right? Oh. No, oh, it's, it's, the it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm but sorry. they could trade oh, out of them. Yep, but then boom, there's a trade. Aiden Hutchinson's yep. odds have plummeted. Kayvon Thibodeau's odds have plummeted. What's Sam Howell's odds for number one overall? Plus 10,000. Five to win 500, Ryan. Uh, that's phenomenal. Ooh. Kenny Pickett, I think, is the highest at plus 3,000. Not that I have these memorized or that I study them <laughs> multiple times a day. Speaking of multiple times a day, I am thankful for our Lord and Savior. I am also thankful for Kale McCarr. Truly, I think 10, 15, 20 years from now, he will be remembered as one of the two or three greatest defenders in NHL history. I think he will be the first defender since Bobby Orr to not only win the Norris for best defender in the NHL, but also win the MVP at some point. He is having a historical season. For some reason, his odds went up to plus 200. Now they're back at plus 150. There really is no one else in his realm contending with him. Adam Fox was in second position for a long time. His odds have plummeted. You can still get Kale McCarr to win the Norris at plus value. Mm. That is essentially free money. We get away from home and we just start, you know, handing out awards to our favorite players. That's right. That's <laughs> right. We miss you, Colorado. We miss you. Although right now, in the midst of a gnarly snowstorm, so maybe we're cool here. Right. In the we enjoy the degrees of Mobile. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, let's move along here. And there's Broncos news today. A lot of Broncos news today. Uh, and I guess maybe have a Breck brew just as you're brewing over all of these Broncos news as well. <sighs> Speaking of Breck brews, I guess we'll start here. Um, a allegation from Brian Flores amidst a lot of allegations uh, towards the NFL for discrimination in hiring and more mm -hmm. uh, included the Denver Broncos in which Brian Flores alleges that the Denver Broncos and, you know, John Elway, Joe Ellis, and the team who was conducting the coaching search during the Brian or during the Vic Fangio hire right. cycle. Right. So we're talking 19. Right. Yep. Showed up to an interview with Brian Flores an hour late, as he claims, uh, and as he claims, hung over and disheveled. Uh, and it's all part of him essentially saying the Broncos had no interest in hiring him. They just did it to satisfy the Rooney rule and shortly thereafter hired Vic Fangio. Now, Zach, the Broncos are – vehemently denying these allegations. Yes, they, they said, quote, they're blatantly false. Then they, they had a pretty lengthy statement just saying how that is not true. The contingent was there at 7.30 in the morning when they had this. It seems like they have receipts to prove this as well. And this is all in, in a much bigger thing that came out today. Brian Flores suing the NFL, multiple teams uh, in a civil lawsuit, just saying that uh, there is racism in the NFL and that he was uh, uh, he has not been given serious consideration for these jobs. Some things with uh, Bill Belichick texting him as well. And right, it seems right. like there are uh, a, a lot of issues going on in the NFL, which I don't think mm. shocks very many people, nope. which is really unfortunate. And it, it's just it, it's really unfortunate that this is something that Brian Flores thinks he has to almost like sacrifice himself in order yeah. to. I mean, you know, he put out a statement saying, uh, I know this may mean I will never coach again or I'll be really hurt in the job market for doing this. It, it, it's a real real shame that that this has to come out but I'm not sure that his claims are with the Broncos at least what what he's saying about the Broncos uh necessarily have to do with that exactly yeah and this is a a, a sucky topic 
Um, not because it shouldn't be talked about, just because it's true. Uh, oh, damn straight. Right, you know, right, right. Brian Flores is not necessarily breaking any news here by alleging that there is racism veiled and, and not uh, in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, and it sucks. It, it really, really sucks. Yeah. And there should be more black coaches uh, in head coaching jobs. And I don't think uh, it's always a fair process for these guys. Right. Um, and it's also really courageous, I think, of Brian Flores to bring this stuff up, knowing what happened, you know, to someone like Colin Kaepernick, who stood up for what he believed in and, you know, never played another down after that. So all of that said – I do think it's there are some leaps being made trying to connect that with the Broncos. Um, yeah. You know, even if the allegations were true, it doesn't necessarily speak to his point, which I think actually hurts him a little bit in this case. Whereas, like the Bill Belichick one, right. uh, where he essentially has the receipts to to show that Bill Belichick knew that uh, the Giants were going to hire Brian Dable right. before they even interviewed. Brian Flores is certainly something that the NFL should be looking into and, and certainly can show that yes, teams are out here just interviewing guys to satisfy the Rooney rule and the rule itself might not be uh, accomplishing what you're hoping for it to do. And here's the, the real truth here, which is in most coaching search, especially ones that we've covered closely, there is a favorite at the beginning and while other interviews are conducted with black head coaches or otherwise, usually the, the team leans towards the guy that they always thought they were going to hire in the first place. And that itself is a problem, um, but I don't know how you fix that. Yeah. So that's all to, you know, to wrap. Yeah. We said a lot of things there, Dre. I don't know if you want to jump in on anything. No, there. I mean, I think that is kind of the overarching allegation that the Broncos fall under is that the way the NFL operates – There is this Rooney rule. Is it really being respected when coaches like Bill Belichick already know Brian Dable will be hired by the Giants, like kind of before the process has kind of played out? And it was a concern kind of leading into this process with George Payton and the Broncos, right? Were they too soon on Dan Quinn? Were they really taking this process seriously and letting it play out? Um, And, of course, there are greater allegations and a greater pattern, and I think we have seen how the Rooney rule – while it it stems from certainly a good place, isn't necessarily leading us to to more progress, and and I think you know it, that does need to be addressed. Like we we can't keep going through these coaching cycles and still doing this charade of a minority interview, minority candidate being interviewed, but then not giving a real shot, you know, and being yep. set up to where they're just. I mean, it's really doing a disservice to them, you know, when they're not being treated seriously because their time is wasted. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm not surprised because this is a rule that the Broncos are very covered legally or so they are alleging on their side. Because when you have to do this because it's a league rule, I would imagine you would have logs and records and would be covered on that. Because, again, every team has to do this when you go through the coaching process. What's so interesting about the Broncos' response is it was aggressive, mm-hmm. uh, very aggressive. It yeah. was uh, it was four paragraphs long. And I, I would go as far as to say they're essentially saying, like, ask us to prove it, you know, and right. we will. 
pages Uh-oh. of detailed notes, analysis, and evaluation from our interview demonstrate the depth of our conversation. What I think would be the easiest way for the Broncos to essentially clear their names in this is to say, here's the email where we said, let's meet at 730, you know, and here's the proof that we were there at 730. Yeah, you would need like, you know, hotel video surveillance of them walking in at, at 729 in order <laughs> to I'm prove sure, that they were there uh, on time, though. Right, and I think it would be hard for – uh, for them to even get a hold of that, I would guess. But also, you know, I I know with this coaching search, they were recording video. I don't know if they record like if they were just even just recorded the audio of the interview for themselves. And there's a or timestamp. Recorded a video and there's a timestamp of that. I, you know, again, I think that would be the Broncos' best way of defending themselves in this. So then, what's very interesting is I think there's multiple ways that this connects to the other big yeah, news of the exactly. day, which broke one hour before. And I've seen. I think I just saw Kenny Stills on Twitter say this issue of lack of my minority coaches and involvement in coaching staffs stems from lack of minority owners in the NFL and the Broncos of course we found out today not a surprise but they're officially being put for sale so the first thing (laughs) connecting these two dots is the Broncos have an opportunity right now to help this in terms of a minority owner owning the team or being part of a group or something like that so that's one way to tie it in and the other way to tie this in is the two people that were specifically mentioned by by Brian Flores were Joe Ellis and John Elway look Joe Ellis has told us when this team is sold He's out, so he's going to be out. Uh, John Elway, it very much seems like he is not going to get another contract, although he has said that he wants to stick around with a new owner in a potential consulting role. But on top of that, those two guys weren't really involved that much in the process this year for the Broncos to hire Nathaniel Hackett. So I know for a lot of people, they're saying that, well, okay, this is a really bad look. Regardless if it's true or not, you never want your team to be associated with this. But look, there's a new guard coming in for the Denver Broncos. Not just that that's coming in, but that's already come in under new circumstances. What's unfortunate as to your original point there about adding diversity to the owner pool is Mike Kliss reported this weekend that Robert Smith is essentially pulling his name uh, out of that. And that would have been great. You know, that is a black man from Denver, went to Denver East, became a billionaire. Like that would have been a fantastic story. And he would become, he would have, he could have become the first black owner in the NFL. Um, again, it sounds like he's not going to bid, uh, which is unfortunate. And then the other thing is you said the Broncos have a chance to help with this problem. Technically they don't. Um, because they are um, legally obligated to give the team to the highest bidder. So they don't have a, a necessarily a say in this. It could happen. That's what I mean. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but they won't have any sort of control over that, which is a shame uh, for, for several reasons, in my opinion, um, because I just think it, it exposes them in ways that I don't think you should be exposed uh, as a professional franchise, especially as the trust decides who they want to sell the team to. But it will go to the highest bidder as long as the highest bidder is approved by the NFL. Well, then that's something that that this is essentially Pat Bolin's wishes, although I don't think these past decade, almost Ugh, decade, was yeah. what Pat Bolin intended. But that is that's how the trust set it up. That That's not the trustees going off on their own right now. That is the trustees following the, the Pat Bolin trust and what it says in terms of it going to the highest bidder. And so the news comes out today that the Broncos are officially 
being sold to Pat Bolin or, or the, the Bolin family put out a nice statement saying Pat's done everything he can and the Broncos we essentially find out are going to go to the highest bidder as well they hope and expect this to be done by the start of the 2022 season so this is something plays out in the next four to eight months and uh, we're gonna have a whole new guard here we talk about it all offseason new owner new quarterback new coach they've already got the new coach now it's time to get the new quarterback and then they'll get the new owner. And this will be a completely different organization. But of course, in 38 years ago, Pat Bolin and his siblings bought the team for $78 million. <laughs> now it's going to go for $4 billion more than that. The or Broncos more. Or, or more. The Broncos were valued. And how about this? This is this is nuts. The Broncos were valued by Forbes at $3.75 billion. The if they sell for $4.55 billion. Not only will that set the record for the most expensive NFL team ever, it will double it. It will double the That's previous crazy. record of $4.5 billion if they're sold for that amount. As soon as it came out that they might be sold, I said I'm setting the over-under at 5. Maybe I set it too high. I'm still taking the over. I think it eventually goes for over – the Broncos eventually go for over $5 billion. I would set it closer to 6, Frank. Um, I would too. Uh, I think. I think. I and I got to give you credit, Ryan. When you said that initially, you were way higher than anyone else. I think you're setting the over under above five right what, now. What the Panthers go for? They went for about half of what the they Broncos went for. Are uh, they went for two, four, two seven. Yeah, okay. yeah, or two two five. Yeah, this is gonna be wild. And the yeah, fact it's that it's going to the highest bidder. We assume we don't we don't know how this actually sure, works. Sure, sure. We assume this is going to be a, an option where someone says, "Okay, well, I'm my offer is four point five billion," and then someone else says, "Okay, well, my offer is five billion," and then you know they kind of go around the circle, however many people are, and then not literally, but you know, and then they say, "Okay, well, the current offer is five billion. All right, do you want to beat that?" Then like, and this could go on who know, for, who, for who knows how long. I don't think it's a everyone submits an offer and they pull it out of a hat and say, oh, it's the highest one it goes to. No, they're doing it via text, uh, via texting, just a group chat. Group Every, chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you got to put in $2 billion to get in the group, group chat. Text. Someone text five bill. <laughs> Someone, like, presses the thing, does the ha-ha. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> or just thumbs up it. Thumbs up. Does that mean you're going higher? Uh, but, but, yeah, you know, this is a situation where someone's eventually going to have to say, like, I, that's too high for me. And – one of the reasons, you know, I saw uh, Robert Smith was like worth, I think he's worth $7 billion. Yep, seven six. I was like, maybe he just thinks like, that's, it's this is going to go for too much. Also, part of that and part of his and everyone's net worth is some things that you can't get liquid, especially, yeah. you know, within just yeah. a couple of months, yeah. especially because the NFL right, the is, is going to, they're going to be swayed and the Broncos are going to be swayed by, you know, uh, how much you can have that, that offer in cash right now. Also, I wonder if that plays into part of it as well. So that that's something where seven six having being worth $7 billion seems like a lot of money. Until someone who's worth thirty billion comes in and says, "Oh yeah, I have you know fifty bank accounts that have all that cash right now." All of this makes me think phenomenal investor by Pat Bolin. I don't think that bubble's going to burst anytime soon. You can buy it for six; it'll be worth eight. Yeah, that's in what 10 I mean. Years, you're going to be just fine. Everything's going to work out. Never ever want to hear an owner complain about any expenses because you are sitting on an asset that's appreciating in immeasurable 
ways. Well, it's just absurd. Don't worry, Dre. They'll just they'll have you and me and Ryan and our producer Allie. They'll have us pay for the new stadium. So that'll be very nice of us. <laughs> here's what yeah. here's what'll be interesting about this is to see whether or not that sale price inspires any owner to sell their team. Because if it does, that tells you they think that that went too high. And they're saying, okay, well, if people are willing to pay this now, then I'll take it. Right. What was going to happen is not that. Everyone's going to continue to hold on to their team because it's only going to keep going up, 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 and up. And that's why I just think this price could could go – anywhere i think it, yeah. i don't i don't think there's a ceiling on how high they could possibly be sold for also you know i'm so bullish on the price being closer to six the two weekends of football we just had oh hundred million unique viewers yeah. Yeah. on the championship games this yeah. weekend a hundred million people yeah. like i when, was one of them when the <laughs> same yeah. when the panthers were sold we were closer to like could football be extinct in 20 years? You know, yeah, such a brutal, yeah, dangerous yeah, game. Yeah. Not Cuban. hearing as many conversations about that lately. No. Certainly not. No, the yeah. only thing that's going to be extinct is billionaires from buying <laughs> these teams, right, all their right. money going into them. No, <laughs> they're just going to be mo- bigger billionaires. In fact, this in a few gross. weeks, there's going to be seven new billionaires because uh, really Pat Bowen's be. <laughs> investment that he made 30-something years ago is going to make each one of his children at least very, very close to being a billionaire. You meant you meant eight. Eight. Eight billionaires. Oh, sorry. Yeah, eight yeah. potential. Well, that makes <laughs> well, it a little yeah, harder. Guys, I was going to say, we're running out of billions here to make all eight billionaires. Unfortunately, though, guys, I think this hurts. When we talk about the price being crazy, I think this hurts Peyton Manning potentially being part of this. Uh, my guess— Why doesn't he just float around and say, like, whoever wins— don't you want me on your team? Yeah, I mean, that, that's what I would do. But as we've talked about, yeah. uh, and the way the trends have gone in recent years is that one single person is buying a team. And if this price gets to four, five, six, seven billion, I think there's groups made up for a reason. It's because one person can't afford five, six, seven billion on their own. So they, they get a group together. But if Bezos comes in, who's worth, what, $70 billion or something, that's, I think, where we see the higher this price gets, I think it's going to be tougher for groups to buy, and it's just going to go to an individual instead. Interesting. It's, Yeah, I mean, Bezos could literally do Outbid whatever he all wants. the groups combined, probably. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's yeah. exactly. Um, it, but it does. His name hasn't been that involved with this. Have you heard anything recently? No, and, and I don't mean specifically Bezos. I'm just saying a super billionaire comes in. Right. And uh, I think they're going to be out, be able to outbid any of these groups that come together. All right. Well, guys, uh, everyone in this house is very hungry. Unfortunately – oh, we'll get to the Super Chats. Unfortunately, we still have one more seg- uh, segment before everyone eats, but could you just imagine some sexy pizza right now? Mm-hmm. How good – that sounds – we're literally getting cheers throughout the house just oh, thinking wow. about sexy pizza. You think they deliver here? Uh, deliver to Mobile. Mobile you know, they, I think it's a stretch. They do have a, a location in Trinidad, so <laughs> you know, maybe closer, their uh, right? expansion could <laughs> reach Alabama <laughs> eventually. <laughs> uh, man, I could go for some sexy pizza right now. They've got that green chili pizza over there that just – mm, it slaps. Um, they've also got their philanthropies, which are pretty cool because they choose Denver – Nonprofits or Colorado nonprofits, they create a specialty pie uh, that when you buy it, a portion of the proceeds goes to those non- nonprofits. It's just one of those things that illuminates 
um, what a staple of the Denver community they are. 13 years in Denver. Uh, Sexy Pizza has been going strong, and we really appreciate them supporting us. So when you're thinking about pizza and you're in the Denver area or uh, oh, down there in Trinidad, get you some sexy pizza. Hey, you said illuminates, Ryan. I mean, what we need in this studio is a Saturday neon oh. sign to illuminate our world on this set. <laughs> Shane just, from upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> the Saturday neon signs just a little too big because they're so freaking cool for us right to bring there. in here. Oh, that would be so cool. You know, we'd have a big Rams one to honor Trey McBride. Ryan no. would be sitting right under it uh, because he loves Trey McBride now. He, uh, I, he, I he admitted earlier today. Uh, and you can get a CSU sign from Saturday Neon. You can get a CU sign from Saturday Neon. You can get them at 10% off by using the code DNVR over at Saturday Neon. Whether it's for yourself or for a gift, these things are so cool. So check them out. Saturday Neon, smash that code DNVR. All right, let's uh, <laughs> let's get to that super chat that you mentioned there. My Allie. tummy is legit grumbling now, right? Oh, so. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to talk about sexy. Pizza. I know. I know. All right, from Alex Ungerman. Oh, God. Uh, Contingency against some mega billionaire with no connection to the city deciding to move the team. Sure. Hope not. Love the show. Look, I totally understand this fear um, just because whenever there's ownership, there's going to be fears. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about this much at all. You're buying the Broncos for multi-billion dollars because they're the Denver Broncos. Exactly. And we, we saw Nathaniel Longest Hackett. sellout streak in the NFL. Mm-hmm. We saw Nathaniel Hackett. How, how many ties does he have to the Broncos or to Denver? The answer is zero. He has no ties. And we saw him in his press conference uh, in some other video that the Broncos put out where he's like, it's the Denver Broncos. It's the Denver Broncos. I'm so excited about that's how a new owner is going to feel. He knows that this investment is a massive investment in not just the Broncos, but in Denver. Yeah, I forget what that game is where you try to, like, um, claim as much territory as you possibly can. Settlers of Catan? Yeah, we'll go with that. Okay. Um, I, I do. I've played City. that game and I like it. <laughs> um, what I was gonna say is like, if, if if we're talking about just what team covers the most land in terms of where their fan base extends to, it, it very well could be the Broncos. It's going uh, Milo John. I was and, love this. And and that's what I was just gonna say is not only are the Broncos, you know, uh, the heart and soul of Denver sports, but they are they extend to Wyoming and into the Dakotas and to Utah. And say over into western Kansas and into Nebraska. Like, why would you give up this massive stranglehold on an entire region unless you're just a crazy billionaire who says, you know what, well, I, you know, I'm from, I don't know, uh, like Reno. I want to move the team there. Like, you know, like that's, it's, it can't, I can't say there's a 0% chance. What I can say is it's very unlikely. Whoever's buying this team knows why they're so valuable, and it's because they're Denver. Here, one of the main he, reasons is yeah, because they're Here's Denver. the thing, though. That's something that's got to be approved by the NFL. The NFL loves Denver, loves the presence that they have. So I just I don't think it would happen. I personally, Ryan, I understand you wanting to just leave a little bit of caution out there. No caution for me. The Broncos aren't moving. The re- if you want to be afraid of something, the fear is that you get an owner who isn't completely invested in winning and that does scare me a lot yes it oh right instead of being moved instead of being moved they're just they're more interested in the money that the denver broncos generate what have we talked about this whole time we've been Uh, talking about uh, the money uh, that that they're going to pay for it how much it can grow yeah it's a huge investment and that is a concern but the thing that will make that price grow and grow and grow is winning winning. football is winning winning. yeah you got all right let's jump into uh, any more oh we still got more all right alaska preston 
for Dre to get himself a Sando, get some beers with what's left over. God bless y'all. Yeah, there. You oh, know, God, there's some good prices process. out here. I was say Mobile may be able Mobile, to get a Sando I don't think you can a get a beer to say a no for four ninety nine. <laughs> no, but that will go a long way towards a po' boy. So thank you, Alaska Preston. We appreciate you. I'm getting really hungry too. We're getting po' boys. And or, okay, okay. More questions. More questions. <laughs> we, I, I don't want to digress. Dre, oh talk my about goodness! The yeah, I was gonna say, let me tell yeah. you about Dre's favorite guy. Yeah, Daniel Falele, the Minnesota guy. He almost pushes four bills. He is massive. As soon as I saw him on the field, I just gravitated, started taking photos, videos. <laughs> he was fine. He honestly was private? fine in practice. Yeah. I do think like that size does present some limitations, right? We did see him on a great pull block swallow up like the oh, smallest gosh. defender on the this like little. <laughs> This little corner. Was he from TCU? TCU he had yeah. a purple helmet. Yeah. Just got like, – he disappeared. Literally swallowed up <laughs> by the whale that is It Daniel reminded me Falele. of Trent Williams in, uh, against the Packers when he was that pulling uh, – I don't – tight end? What was he? Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. it was. Um, classic Kyle Shanahan just in his bag. Yeah. Um, not, not in the fourth quarter of Well, uh, you can only go so far game. with Jimmy G. Uh, <laughs> anyways. A conversation to be had in Broncos country. Dre said uh, – He's like, yo, when you're in Colorado, you know, and you're trying to figure out which direction is west, you just look for the mountains. He's like, when I'm trying to find out where the offensive line is, I just look for Daniel Falele. And I was like, there you go. He's the mountain. <laughs> he centers me, yes. Um, I also thought Zion Johnson, the guard out of BC, really stood out. One of the more consistent, especially early on in practices at the Senior Bulls, guys. Whether it's one-on-one -on -one or even 11-on-11, 11 11, the D-line always dominates. They're just at an advantage. I thought Zion Johnson was one of the few that managed to hold his own play in and play out. Those would be my biggest standouts on the O-line for you there. And then cornerbacks. Cornerbacks. Really, really, really disappointed by Dion Kendrick. Yeah, now I'm all out of sort. The Georgia corner, Clemson yep, transfer. Yep, yep. Dion Kendrick. Um, Really got burned Darion a couple times. Darion, Darion, thank Kendrick. you. There we go. Uh, a couple times deep. But you were really impressed by Roger McCreary, kind of I the was. top cornerback out of Auburn coming in. Uh, feisty guy, always involved in the action, but showed a little more uh, raw coverage talent as well today. I yeah, so. he really did, man. He's got the swag. He had the multicolored face mask going on, and he was he was clamps all day. Yep, yep. yep. I'm a big fan too. All right, let's jump into the, one, the questions from the listeners here. First one comes in from Broncology. I love fullbacks. Whatever happened to the one we had a few years ago? Where did he go? It warmed my heart to see us pick up a good one again. I was sure you guys had let us down. Checked all day for the pod. Thanks for making my evening. Have fun down there. Okay, well, of course, talking about Jano here. Broncos never should have let Jano go, in my uh, humble opinion. Dre, there might be a guy down here to help replace him. Jeremiah Hall, Oklahoma, looked bigger to us than Trey McBride. That's no knock on Trey. This dude looks Big for a fullback. In and out of cuts. Really smooth. I think this player can be a massive X factor and mismatch. Jeremiah Hall. Lincoln Riley, one of the most uh, innovative play callers in the world of football at Oklahoma was using this dynamic fullback in his offense. That should make you guys all take notice. I mean, 6'4", 230. Uh, he's he's <laughs> taller than Trey McBride, uh, a couple pounds shorter than, or, or, or uh, less than less than him thinner. Uh, and he's he, he was really good today. Uh, just looked like a weapon out there. And some like we talked about yesterday, maybe the next Kyle Juszczyk. And that's what I was going to say is like, 
you absolutely can use that type of weapon yeah. in this offense. Yeah. And Broncos fans should absolutely be paying attention specifically to him mm-hmm. um, because I think he would be a great fit. Um, I, I'm excited for the return of the fullback. Yeah. I like fullbacks. Same. Yeah. Same, same. I think they help running the football, and that's what they want to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Which doesn't make sense why <laughs> when you're trying to run the football all year this year, you've got, like, Andrew Beck out there. Yep, yep. Well, maybe he's the next guy. Next one from Dan Burke says, hey, guys, I know this isn't something that's limited to just them, but is there any concern that the Broncos don't have their entire coaching staff in place prior to the senior bowl? For example, Mike Munchak would presumably tell the scouts, coaches, Peyton, what kind of player he's looking for on the offensive line and some news about Mike Munchak today. It does not look like he's going to be coming back. Not official, but as we talked about, he doesn't fit the exact scheme that we're seeing from, uh, uh, from, from Nathaniel what uh, Nathaniel Hackett wants. Yeah. And, and to be fair, like that's cutting him. I don't want to sell Mike Munchak short. He can teach zone. If yeah, you need him to teach done, zone, he's done both. Uh, but from what we know in his experience, yeah. He would prefer to teach power, mm-hmm. and maybe it's just one of those things where, you know, he and Nathaniel Hackett talk, and he's like, man, I just kind of want to go back to teaching the power scheme. Like, right. that's where I really succeed. And Hackett's like, cool, man. Well, I, you know, I totally respect you, and I think we were, we're – you know, I want someone who specializes in zone. He literally mm-hmm. – the first characteristic of his offense that yep. he says is outside, outside zone. zone. Yep. So that's a really important thing uh, for him, and maybe it's just an, a, a mutual parting of ways. I don't want to undersell this, though. Like, You better nail the hire on the offensive line coach if you are oh, yeah. parting ways with Mike Munchak. To me, it, at absolutely. First off, I would make sure Mike Munchak stays, but since it, it doesn't appear that's going to happen – the name just Doug Marone. That doesn't get me Doug fired Marone. up or anything, but that is, that's a guy with tons of experience. He just went to football rehab at the University of Alabama, that's which right. you know I exactly love. Right. Uh, Best and then football on, rehab and facility then, in the world. <laughs> yes. no Two more things on top of that, though, is one, his connection with Nathaniel Hackett. Of course, it, that, that's one of his big-time mentors. And then on top of that, uh, he, he comes from, well, not only the same system, but that's that's a system that, that Hackett has, has learned under as well. And then he has head coaching experience too. And look, we're talking about potentially uh, an offensive coordinator that doesn't have any coordinating right. experience. Yep. We're talking about Nathaniel Hackett that doesn't have any coordinating experience. We're talking about a defensive coordinator mm-hmm. that who they're likely going to hire that does not have any defensive coordinator experience. You do need some experience somewhere, and Doug Marone would provide that. I I have no issue with Doug Marone as no. offensive line coach. No. Uh, I was going to push back on Doug Marone as offensive coordinator. Oh, no, he's not. Uh, and so if he's the offensive line coach, I'm not pushing back on that. Just better do a good job because he's filling big shoes. Yep, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Now, to the more relevant question that was asked, concerns about the Broncos staff not being out here, not really for me. I think there's a clear delineation of work established here. George Payton and his staff will do the scouting. These guys will, they'll figure out who we want to interview and, you know, they'll work with their coaching staff on assessing tendencies and what have you. The main focus of Hackett and his staff should be building that staff right now. Anything we disagree on here? No, nope. what I would just say <laughs> is that they're going to scout every player. So it's not exactly. like you would say exactly. like, Hey, like make sure you keep an eye on this guy, that guy, and the other thing they'll scout every single player. And then, you know, if, Doug Marone comes in and he's like, I'm really looking for a very specific type of zone blocking tackle. Then they'll say, okay, well, these are the guys that we scouted that fit that. Here's the tape. You he's going to I mean? say, I'm, I'm looking for a mountain 
Can anyone help me here? Yes, and, and Dre's going to say, I got yes, you. Yes, we can. I got you. From, uh, from well, outside Mike, zone, I don't know if he fits. But <laughs> I digress. <laughs> from Mike1809, you dudes are champs for recording after midnight and across the country. Thanks for the commitment to this community. I was pumped up to see the pot up when I woke up this morning and can't wait to hear the coverage from this week. Of course, our uh, it's our pleasure. I was just sad that I couldn't be on the pod with you guys. I hope it turned out great. Um, oh, he goes on and says. Best pot I've ever done. Honestly, wow. <laughs> this is setting up to be the craziest offseason, and I'm pumped to be rolling with DNVR through this offseason. Also, we're pumped to have you, first of all. Also, I love that the Bengals are in the Super Bowl, not only because they beat the hated Chiefs, but because it shows how they were literally a QB away, just like we are. Let's go get Hackett's boy, yeah. A.A.Ron. And we'll be having a very different conversation this time next year as the Broncos are gearing up for Super Bowl 57. Yeah, probably won't be at the Senior Bowl because we'll be covering a team that's on their way to the Super Bowl I saw some Rams guys here today, like Rams media, and I was like, man, if my team was going to the Super Bowl, I'd be like, you chumps have fun at the Senior Bowl. Uh, <laughs> Seriously. Uh, <laughs> I'll be getting a head start on the point. Super Bowl. That's a great point. <laughs> Where is I've, it next year? Is it Vegas? Arizona. Arizona. I've thought about this I know many times. People I do, yes. There aren't many franchises who's had it worse than the Broncos in the last six years. The Bengals, a hundred, a thousand percent one of them. Just took getting having the worst season you could have in the right year, and boom, they've blossomed. They're yeah. back. And, and uh, in that Flores article, he mentioned the owner of the team offering him $100,000 for every loss in his first season, which is crazy, first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, they but made the playoffs, by the way. Maybe had a, a, a good theory there which is let's tank your first season and then you know we'll go get our guy just like what happened with the Bengals. i don't know if they tanked or if they were just terrible but i mean he mentions literally a quarterback away they went from the worst team to the best one of the two best teams in two years yep exactly that's how much a quarterback can change things especially it would change it even more if it's aaron because he'd come in right away at an mvp level next one from bronco nsf says how much will input will hackett have in the draft process especially for a quarterback will dnvr be posting a big draft board i'm so ready for mock drafts to start oh yes we're gonna be all over the draft coverage and as the nfl says the draft starts in Mobile, so our senior bowl or so our draft coverage starts now. That's Let's right, go. Baby. That's how it goes. Uh, all right, I think this is the last one we have time for here before I I feel a responsibility to get everyone fed. Um, this one's from. There we go. Uh, this one's from Windy City Bronco. Um, on a serious note here, uh, he says, I'm writing this comment after seeing the Flores lawsuit. I'm angry. First, I'm angry at Elway. Somebody who grew up with Elway leading the Broncos, it's really hard for me to say this, but he was an embarrassment to this team. The shadow of Elway as vice president of the team has tarnished whatever happy memories I had of him as our quarterback. Second, I'm mad at myself for continuing to support the NFL. It's abundantly clear that they have a serious problem with racism, and they continue to treat it as a PR problem. It was clear when Kaepernick got blackballed, and it's clear again today. I'm really glad that Flores is airing this dirty laundry. Uh, I hope this becomes a PR fire so large that the NFL must make real and meaningful changes. Maybe I can justify continuing to watch games with my friends if that happens, but right now I don't know how I can. Uh, and I think this is a an understandable way to feel today. You know, like it's uh, it is a massive problem in the NFL, and it is something that needs to be addressed. And there's so many you know people out there who are feeling similar to Windy City Bronco today and and it it's 
really important for someone like Brian Flores to come out. And I like that he said airing the dirty laundry. There's kind of this feeling I, that I get from NFL people that, like, everything that happens in our little circle is our little secret. Uh, and when someone starts to poke holes in that, it definitely sets off red, you know, alarms. Uh, and you can only hope that meaningful change is made. It's just – as one of the commenters said earlier today, it's really hard to imagine that meaningful change being made when the ownership is what it is. It's 32 white guys, almost 32 white guys. Yeah, and it, like you said too, though, Ryan, the Broncos can't necessarily control that, but maybe the Broncos are, are the step in the right direction toward that with, with them being the first team that's going to be sold since right. this. And not just – yeah, and uh, yeah, so – it's uh, I understand where where Windy City Bronco is coming from, and I think that we can only hope that meaningful change can be made. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, and very courageous of Brian Flores uh, to do this because at just 40 years old, he is jeopardizing being blackballed for uh, from the NFL for the rest of his life. I really hope that's not the case, but uh, he's doing something bigger than himself. That's for a, that's for a very uh, important cause. I I really hope it's not the case either, and and it's already. It was already fishy in the yeah, first place yeah, that he was exactly, let go. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and and now you know who knows how long it is before he gets another job. He didn't get one in this cycle, or I guess there's a couple still out there, but it doesn't seem like he's going to get one in this yeah. cycle. And it's very easy for the NFL to paint this picture of like, well, you know, he just kind of fell by the wayside and he didn't get it, and right. you know, his time has passed. I, you know, th- I've heard that before. Well, yeah. it, you know, their time kind of came and went. Right. It's like. Eh doesn't feel right exactly um all right well i think this is a good conversation excited to be out here today we did miss a couple uh chats here because we weren't expecting to discuss so much broncos news today um you never know what's coming tomorrow but maybe tomorrow we'll focus a little bit more on some of the other players like a trey mcbride like some of the other uh, guys there in the trenches that we like um so we look forward to that oh of course we have a comment coming in here as a buzzer beater No. Definitely do not. Sorry. Yeah, no, I don't understand. think any of us. Broncos aren't going anywhere, Alex. Don't way. worry. Uh, anyways, before we get out of here, I want to give a shout-out to Green Mountain Dental Group. Best oh, damn family-owned dentist group in the metro area. Head down there. Schedule a cleaning x-ray exam. They will hook you up with a free Sonicare toothbrush when you do. You'll love that because you'll be able to keep your teeth nice and healthy even when you're not visiting the great people down at Green Mountain Dental Group. But you know, where the dentist is scary for a lot of people, it will not be down there. Uh, they'll treat you like family. They'll talk Broncos. They'll do all that great yeah. stuff. So check them out. Uh, appreciate you guys uh, for listening today. And we'll be back with more Senior Bowl content tomorrow, not just with this live show, but with uh, multiple videos throughout the day, recapping practice as well. So stay tuned here with us, and we'll catch you tomorrow. Flying cotton